By God alone I'm saved from my sin To God alone be glory. Amen. Welcome to the Reformed Refugees Podcast, where we discuss the joys, difficulties, questions, and discoveries we've had along our journey to living within a Reformed, confessional Christian community. As a disclaimer, we are not affiliated with any church or any ministry. We are just two sisters in Christ hanging out in our kitchens, and we hope that you'll join us. So grab a cup of coffee, cup of tea, glass of water, whatever brings you joy, and listen in. I'm Lydia. And I'm Danielle. And today I'm so excited that I get to be uh, metaphorically on the other side of the table this week (laughs) interviewing Lydia. Uh, And so I'm excited to just hear about uh, her background, and I have some questions for her that I... Uh, I just can't wait to hear some of the answers and just get to know uh, her better. And I hope that you guys who are listening are excited for some of this, um, these stories and experiences and where she is now. So Lydia, if you could just give us, you know, your synopsis, (laughs) I'm not going to say brief, just a synopsis. Oh, I can't even speak. Synopsis. Synopsis. Um, it, it is silly because now I'm on the other side of the table. We got your interview done and then afterward I'm like, oh wait, I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. And I'm th- thinking through it. I'm like, how do I summarize all of this? So yeah. I'll give it a good shot. Um, I'll try to. So my, my upbringing is sort of like yours. There's a lot of variety into it. I would say that mostly my parents were not dogmatic churchgoers. They would occasionally go to services here or there if there was like a special invitation or something like that. But for the most part, I grew up with my dad was sort of in the love God, love your neighbor, keep your nose clean, mind your own business camp. Like that's sort of the extent of it. And my mom was always sort of out of the box thinker. So if there were any kind of rules or social norms, you know, she had to have a pretty good reason to participate in those things. Like tell me why kind of a person, which is, you know, fine um and then i had a my paternal grandmother was in uh, the same area as we were so i got to know her better than my other grandparents who were sort of scattered pretty far away but my paternal grandmother was a really committed baptist like every sunday every wednesday and she had grown up amish so when she left the church to marry my biological grandfather she uh, was, you know, feeding the baby one day and some lady knocked on her door and asked her, you know, if you were to die today, where would you go? And my grandma's like, well, I didn't know how to answer. So that was her conversion story where... So she was Amish when that happened? No, she was okay. Amish. She... Oh, left, left the church. Okay. Yep, left the church to marry my biological grandfather. This lady comes by and that was the beginning of this thing for her where... Now every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time there's a church function, she's there, her boys are there. So my dad was really like raised in it. And my my parents lived out the loving your neighbor very well. Like my dad was sort of the neighborhood dad where the kids didn't have a dad, they would come around or bring their bicycles down to him and say, you know, hey, could you help me with this? Or people, you know, single moms would trust him to come over and fix their washing machine or things like that. And my mother would also, she would do a lot of things in secret. So Christmas were to come around and there was a family and she knew that they were in need. She would gather those things up for them, put it on their porch and sort of run away. Mm. So there were a lot of things that she did that other people just didn't even know that she was involved in. So I felt like they they lived that part out. But as far as doctrine or going to church, it was kind of like, nah, that's for other people. Um, and my first, my probably first run in besides my grandma with religion was nuns of all people. All right. (laughs) Right? Uh, Which I loved, by the way. Yeah. I loved the nuns. They were great. So there was a ministry in town or a program in town, and the nuns were part of this. And as part of their ministry, if folks were learning, wanting to get certified for different careers, or they wanted to learn new skills or something so that they'd be 
able to join the workforce in a career that they wanted, they were helping people to do that. And so my mom was like, yeah, when my kids go to school, I want to go get a job. Like, you know, let me go see what I could go be trained to get into. So I was going with her and these nuns a lot. Mm. And I loved these nuns. These nuns were great. And um, I remember asking my dad, like, why are they all wearing the same outfit? Like, what's the uniform about, you know? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, they're nuns and those are their habits. And I was like, okay. Like, that's weird, but all right. <laughs> so they're all wearing the same clothes. And it was, it was interesting to me because my mother was a particularly beautiful woman when I was younger. And everywhere we went, people were usually focused on that. And I would hear a lot of comments about that. But these nuns didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) These nuns were like, what do you know? What do you know how to do? You know, what kind of career do you want? And this was the first time I was kind of exposed to that. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I kind of like these ladies. Okay, like they know how to, they know where everything's at. Um, And I remember asking my dad about them. Like, where are their families? Where are their husbands? Mm. And trying to figure, because I was like, I don't know, four or five. And he was like, well, they're not, they're not really married. And I'm like, are they married to the priest? And he was like, no. <laughs> All of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, and he said, no, they're, they're devoted to God. Like, they're, they're sort of married to Jesus. And I remember tucking that away in my brain like, huh, okay. Well, if no one can see God or talk to God, how did they find him to marry him? Like the nuns really mm. must know where everything is. Yeah, they, actually. they actually have this thing figured out. <laughs> right. Um, so then, you know, time goes on and my grandmother would send, when she moved out of our town, she would send her friends to come and get my sister and I and take us to church. Mm. And so they would come, her elderly friends would come and pick us up and take us to Sunday school and bring us back home. And there was a church next door to us that was a charismatic church. And I would walk over there sometimes and go to church over there. And my parents didn't mind. It wasn't like, uh, wasn't one way or the other to them. It's like across the yard. So, Um, but then elementary school, I was in public school and that was really difficult for me. I was a really weird kid. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was super weird. And I just, I didn't fit in well. Nothing made sense. Uh, Social norms were very confusing to me. And so I was getting picked on a lot. And my parents thought, well, you know, maybe we should put her in private school. Maybe that will help. So in halfway through my fifth grade year, I got moved over to a small private Christian school. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Which was, uh, that was something. So... The halfway through my fifth grade year, I get moved over to private school, and I think I started on like a Tuesday, and then Friday was like a special movie day. So Friday of that week rolls around, and they're like, "Oh, it's movie day!" And you know when you're little, how excited you are when you see the TV on the cart, that TV cart rolling. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yes. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. And I didn't know what it was movie day. So the teacher like bought me a bag of 25 cent popcorn because I didn't bring my quarter because I didn't know. And so she's like, mm. next time, you know, we got like, this place is the best. Like I'm getting candy and popcorn. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch a movie. And they were halfway through the movie that they were watching. So you got in halfway through it. Halfway through. And this is just to kind of summarize my, <laughs> my experience going forward. Um, so we were watching the cinematic classic. Years of the Beast. Mm-hmm. Have you? I don't know if you've ever seen the movie in total, but I know I sent you a link. I watched a little bit of it last night. <laughs> did, did you watch the time marker that I sent yep. you? Yep. Okay. I had to turn it off. <laughs> How did you feel when you watched it? Uh, it gave me a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And um, I mean, knowing what I know now, like it's it was pretty laughable, personally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I could, I could depict, I mean, I remember being like, okay, is this guy supposed to be the devil? And you're like, well, there is a guy on there that's the devil. And 
So I sent you a screenshot. You're like, yep. Yeah. And the guy, the guy who's supposed to be the Antichrist has like a bishop or something with him who has a gold crab on his necklace. I don't know. I did not see that. I don't know what the symbolism was, but it's very silly. Anyway, so if you can't guess, this is a movie about folks who are living through the seven-year tribulation. This was not explained to me prior to this movie day. Mm. So if you are interested in the part that is now my core memory, it is about the one hour, 20 minute mark where a woman is being chased down by these sheriffs who have the plague. Did you see the sores on his I didn't know if that was like (laughs) devil marks or something or what. He's got the plague. Okay. (laughs) All right. He's got the plague. He's got the plague. Uh, And they chase her down and it's really uncomfortable. And at this point, I'm, I'm already sadly acutely aware of assault and... Yeah. So I won't lie. When he pushed her up against the tree... Yeah. I was concerned that there was going to be something, some kind of a sexual assault that was going to happen. Right. Um, That's definitely where my 10-year-old mind went. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's rough, but I mean, I was going to a a pretty rough school and these things were, they were around. Um, And so I'm like, what in the world is happening? And all these other kids are like munching down their popcorn and I'm like, and then so the woman she calls out to god and then her soul leaves her body and then she's kind of slumps over dead yeah they didn't know she was dead at first right yeah and so i'm like did she just die like what happened they're like yeah she called upon the name of the lord and they saved her and it's like (laughs) what is happening and so 10 year old me is just you know eyes wide open i'm staring at this thing this is all new information to me and so of course i go home and i tell my dad like Hey, guess what movie we guess watched? What I learned today. And you know, then come to find out, like he had a he had a history where these things were taught in the church where he was growing up as well. Mm-hmm. So he was like, kid, you just take this stuff with a grain of salt, you know, just keep your nose clean, mind your business, keep it between you and God. Like, yeah. don't let this stuff weigh you down. That's not what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it it was it was a lot scarier for me than just you know, but well, I, and I'm assuming maybe you've got a little bit of your mom in you as like I need to know why. Yeah, I did need to know why. Yeah. Like, where are they getting this from? And they're saying they're getting it from the Bible. And I knew mm-hmm. that my I knew that my dad and my grandma respected the Bible. Yeah, no argument. Now my mom might have been like, "Well, you show me where it's at," or mm-hmm. you know. But I knew that the scripture was something to be revered. Yeah. And so when they're reading on this movie, they're reading out of scripture to support these things. Yeah. I'm 10 or, you know, going on 11. I don't know how to refute these things. And I think this is another reason why it's so important. Apologetics. Apologetics. (laughs) And that we don't give up our roles as moms. Yeah. Because Sesame Street, they tell you what a bakery is for a reason. Because kids don't know. Yeah. Kids don't know how the neighborhood works. They don't know what a subway is. They don't know what a bakery is. They don't know what the library is. They're just little blank slates. Mm-hmm. And anyone can put anything in their minds. Oh, yeah. And for us to give up our rules as moms and to just kind of be hands off and, you know, yeah. not okay. And um, I, I say that in reference to something like, you know, sending our kids off to public school and then never questioning What's never happening? checking in, never knowing what's actually going on. Yeah. Right. Which, and I think my parents did a pretty good job of that, but I still, like, I bought into this mm-hmm. because everybody else around me, all the other kids around me. They've been indoctrinated into it. And yeah. most of them not, you know, most of them probably were there from yeah. uh-huh. pre-K on. Right. And there might've been some of them who were, you know, defectors. I don't know, but yeah. we all seem to kind of be in this boat and like... Ralph Wiggum, I'm in danger. <laughs> just, it was constant fear. And so in that movie, they they asked this guy like at gunpoint if he's a Christian and let him know that like if he says it again, they're going to shoot him. And then... And you're few, watching this in fifth grade? Yeah. Okay. So a few months later, Columbine's going to happen. Mm. And do you remember the story about the girl? Yeah, they asked and I, her. I've heard yeah. now that maybe that might not be, it might have been 
urban legend or something. But at the time, real or not, that's what everyone was saying, that this yeah. girl was asked if she was a Christian and she was gunned down because she was a Christian. Yeah. And that's what we heard. And there were chapel sermons on this. There was church services on this. And then right after that is not, um, Y2K. Yeah. Which again, my dad's like, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. That's going to happen. Gonna He's like, do you know how many world endings I've been through? Yeah. But, <laughs> like, but I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that yet. Like, yeah. I'm still terrified. And then we get through Y2K and then September 11th comes around. So it's just boom, boom, boom. Like, here's this movie. Here's all these real life events where people are taking it to like this. See, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. So I'm living in perpetual fear of this rapture business. Yeah. And I'm trying to make sense around me of what's happening. Because the school I was going to was a sort of interdenominational school. We had kids who were Pentecostal or Methodist or Wesleyan, kind of all over the spectrum. And you'd go to church with some of them at their youth group, or then maybe you'd go to somebody else's youth group the next week, or somebody's parents might come in and do a devotion, or you'd spend the night somewhere and they might have, you know, a Bible study or something. And so you, I'm kind of like picking all of this stuff up and just kind of putting it together the best way that I know how. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all shallow enough at the surface that it all sort of jives. Unless you're like a real far outlier where it's like Catholicism has a priest or, yeah. you know. Yep. Uh, which it never... <laughs> it, I kind of wondered why didn't they just go talk to the nuns? Because like, the nuns knew how to talk to God. If they no were married knows. to Jesus, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> if nobody knows the, the day or the hour, you should probably go talk to the nuns because they're married to them. He probably knows. Um, but these, maybe as far outliers might have been the exception. But otherwise, everyone's pretty much on the same page. This is, this is what's going to happen. And there's going to be this rapture. And the only real disagreement is not the seven years of tribulation. It's when the church is going to be taken out. So before or after. Yeah. Or during. Or during. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's all the... Yeah. So the this movie, though, what was the belief in the movie? Because... I think it was after. Like, you had to survive until the end. Okay, because you saying that, you know, her calling upon the Lord. Well, there are people in the belief that if you're there, if you're... Is it pre? I don't mm-hmm. know. And you're there, that means that there's no longer the Spirit of God there with you. Right. And you, it's by your own works if you're even saved. Yeah. And so I had no idea. I had no idea. And it seemed like there were a couple like miraculous things that happened to protect them sort of on their journey to survival. I don't know. I don't know if that movie was pre, mid, post trip, got right. Me. But it was it Well was if they're def- Christians, it had to be post, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like <laughs> You got me. I was like, I was gonna avoid that question. Oh, like, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, when you when you said, I was like, oh yeah, I don't know because that's like people would argue about that. Yeah, I thought you were serious. Like in my brain, my brain was like, oh no, she's serious. Uh, <laughs> even though I know you're not. Uh, like that's conditioning, right? Uh, so there are these outliers, but for the most part, everyone's on the same page that this is a real thing and. Everywhere you go, that's kind of what you hear about, at least in my circles. Yeah. I don't know who was not in these circles, but right. they're out there. So that was the that was the big push. But then I would also sort of look around and they would say things like, no man can serve two masters. So you can't serve this ideology and that ideology. But then in the morning, we would pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> and then we would pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and Pledge Allegiance to the Bible. Did you know there were pledges for these? Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> your, face, your face is great. You didn't know that there were pledges. We need to, like, video our podcast so that they can see our facial expressions sometimes. Your face was, like, broken for a second. That's great. So your brain was, like, trying to catch up. Um, so you're pledging allegiance to three different things. Yeah. Okay. And you pledge allegiance to the American flag and then to Christendom. And then you go to class and you hear about what a terrible place America is. But we're pledging allegiance to it. Right. Because okay. we're aborting the babies and the culture wars and all of the things. And then we are doing services to honor the military men and women who are protecting our rights to do Decent. whatever we want. Yeah. 
So it was very confusing. As a black and white thinker, as a little kid, trying to figure out how does this work? How can America both be this Sodom and Gomorrah and how can it also be this city on a hill? Yeah. Why are we pledging allegiance to it? But then we're going to be protesting it, but then we're going to be honoring the people who keep it going. It was it was mind-boggling. And you just soak up all the things. Like all of it. I don't think that a lot of children that age are that aware and connecting pieces the way that you did. Yeah, don't ask questions about it because that'll get you in trouble. Like if you're at school and you say, well, wait a minute, like why are we asking God to bless us if we're... If we're evil. Right. It was very confusing. And they're like, Lydia, you need to sit down and (laughs) and stay in your own lane. Talk to your parents about it at home. Then you would get in trouble for things like making a promise or pinky promising, which how many pinky promises did you make as a little girl? A lot. It's like the thing. (laughs) If you guys didn't know, that's the thing. Because the word says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But then you would go to a chapel service and they would want you to sign a contract that you are going to read scripture every single day. You know, like you're going to get up first thing in the morning when you're 12 and you're going to crack open the Bible and you're going to do this for the rest of your life. And here's a contract to sign. Wow. And I remember they had just gotten done doing a Bible lesson a week or so before that about, in my mind, what it was, was this soldier had come home and promised that the first thing that came out of the door would be sacrificed to God. And it was going to be the dog because the dog always came out to greet him first, Mm. but the daughter came out first. And so he had to set her entire life aside for God. And they were talking about how serious this is and how you don't break your word to God and, you know, these kinds of things. They're telling you guys this? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was taking this to heart. This was a, this was serious business. You don't make deals with God unless you mean it. And so we go to this chapel service, and I remember they asked us to come up there and sign this thing. And it was, I stayed in my chair, and another kid stayed in this chair. And he was raging against the machine because he was, like, mad at everybody, which, Mm. you know, whatever, more power to him. (laughs) But I didn't move because I was petrified. Like, this was a contradiction. Like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Like, I was so terrified I couldn't make a decision one way or the other. And they were like, we're so proud of everyone who got up here. We know that there are some people who are going to push against this, but like, we're really proud of you all. And I remember telling this teacher, he's like, you know, like, why didn't you sign up? And I'm like, your yes has to be yes. And your no has to be no. Like, what if I oversleep one morning? Yeah. And then like, he stopped everyone and he was like, this child is taking God seriously. And I'm like, what is, what is happening? So it's just like this back and forth. Wow. And it's very, it's very confusing. And I don't know. I say all these things and it sounds like super wackadoo. But at the same time, I really believe that the vast majority of people there were doing what they really felt called to do. Mm-hmm. That they weren't setting out to scramble the brains of young children yeah i mean most people don't actually have that intention right and it's not anything that like i harbor anything against them you know and even if i did people gotta be let off the hook at some point like you just can't hold hold somebody in your mind forever frozen because this was 20 years ago and they could have grown they could have gotten a different theology by now or you know double down I don't know not my business but so I'm not angry or anything at anybody but so this is all just getting kind of confusing and then I just decide you know what I'm out like this is just this is real ridiculous and I can't make heads or tails of this I'm certainly not able to meet all of these requirements and nobody is really able to make sense of what the requirements are and I will say though we did have a Bible teacher and he started the first day of class with who is God. And I didn't know it then, but he was trying to teach theology. Yeah. But I remember tuning into him like, okay, this guy's got some answers, you know. So yeah. he did the first survey of the New Test of the Old Testament that I'd ever been a part of. And I realized then for the first time that those things were all connected and how they were connected. Mm. So it wasn't until and this is at your school. Yeah. This wasn't until like high school that that I get this insight. 
which how you can be in this stuff day in and day out and not see how it's connected I don't know I don't pay much attention I guess because I was missing the boat and maybe the other kids already knew this and I was just an outlier I don't know it wasn't clicking for me I had to have somebody explain it to me but anyway I decided I'm done I'm out this is too much I'm very this is all very confusing and I'm just gonna go do my own thing and there must be something wrong with me because they keep talking about these people who are just so who are just so evil who just refuse to follow the word of God and no matter how much I would try I would fail so it's like Paul saying like the things that I do yeah. want to do I you know I kept so there must be something wrong with me like I'm just I'm not cut out for this sort of thing so I go about my life I'm a teenager I'm making dumb teenager decisions um hopefully I'm not the only one that made dumb decisions as a teenager but are you looking to me <laughs> oh girl you're not the only one we just didn't touch my dumb decisions <laughs> I'm so glad it's not just me I just like I'm talking and talking um so I end up leaving school when I'm like 16 Okay. I had a couple classes left to finish, and I had enough credits, and I'd gotten in some trouble. And during that time, I sort of realized that adults are human. Like, Yeah? What did you think they were? I don't know. Like, I guess that they had clay feet. Yeah. You know, they're not these perfect authority figures. They're, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Yeah. And some of them you can trust and some of them you can't. And it was, it was really difficult for me at that time to not blur together the line of what is the church and what does the church believe and who is this person and what does this person believe Yeah. about all these different adults in my life that I was coming across. And I was going to, you know, I still was going to youth group with friends and things like that. But even in those areas, I would see things. And I always kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in socially because I was just a really weird kid. And I would like watch people. People are weird and they do weird things. Uh And they're walking contradictions. And this was in every bubble that I was looking at. So I'm kind of like, I'm done with this. So eventually my bad decisions get to get to a point where I'm at a fork in the road. And God gave me enough sense to know if I'm going to continue down path A, the one that I'm on, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be disconnected from my family. I'm not going to have any friends. Um, I'm going to be in a significant amount of danger and there's just no turning back if I keep going down this path or I need to do something else now in all of my teenage wisdom <laughs> <laughs> your whole 16 years right uh-huh I decide or 17 at this point yeah instead of doing the right thing and going back to God and getting all of this cleaned up and going about my life I'll just make my own path B. Like that's what I'll just I'll that go do my like own. That's a thing. really great plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's so and great. so where did that end up? <laughs> so that that ended up with um, me trying to figure out like okay how can I how can I pull this off? And I decided I needed to be a grown up. And if I could just be a grown up, then I would make really good decisions. And what do grown ups do? Grown ups get married, they have babies, they go to work. I could do that. So let me go find a guy. So (laughs) cue MySpace. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Uh, Again, in all my wisdom. So I'm I'm talking to all of these individuals on this wonderful new invention called MySpace, which I don't know if you were on MySpace. Oh, I was on MySpace, yes. You were on MySpace. Okay, so we could have been friends. and I went out on some dates, and these guys were just real, real weird, and not what seventeen-year-old me was thinking would be like a great guy. Because I had to hurry up and settle down, because I had to be an adult. Because if I didn't hurry up and become an adult, I was going to be on path A, and that was just going to be, that was not going to be good. So then I met my husband. 
<laughs> on MySpace. All right. On MySpace. I did not know this. You didn't know this. So, uh, he, and I, I had on my profile that I didn't date because I was trying to manage like the flood of activity mm-hmm. because it was brand new. Everybody was on this okay. thing. Everybody's messaging everybody. Um, but he saw some things that were similar and some bands that I liked or whatever. And so we were talking and he kept talking about philosophy and I thought that was super interesting, but I'm not tech savvy and I failed typing. Did you have take typing? Yes. I didn't do a real good job. Like where they put the cardboard over your hands. Yep. And then you look and the teacher yells at you and you look and the teacher yells at you. (laughs) That poor teacher. You're chicken picking. Yeah. You get in trouble. Yeah. I don't know how she, I don't know how she dealt with it. That would have drove me nuts trying to get all those kids to not peek. But I'm like, look, I don't want to sit here and type all this out. If you want to meet up for coffee, that's fine. So I meet my husband and I don't know, like I see him and like, this is the guy. Here he is. Like, here's the guy. He's uh, he's at this cafe. He's surrounded by all these books. He's got all these books open and he's reading, which is, is that like, you know, my husband, is yeah. this not like the, like, <laughs> is that not a caricature of my husband? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I meet him. Everything is great. I tell my friend, I'm like, he's never going to call me back. And he calls me back and I hang up the phone and I'm like, he's never going to ask me to marry him. And she's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, and I don't want to tell her because I was living this entire double life. Like even my friends, well, I thought they didn't know. I think they probably did know. Um, didn't even understand how deep I was. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing something. Like, leave me alone. So um, that's how I met my husband. And he actually, he helped me to close a lot of those doors and really pulled me out of where I was. But at the same time, he was old enough to buy beer. He had his own car. (laughs) (laughs) And best part, he didn't go to church. Mm. So I thought, okay, oh, well, here we go. This is perfect, right? Yeah. So... He starts talking and he's like, well, how can we know this or how can we know that? And I say, you know, oh, we can because the Bible says, and it's just coming out of me. Like, oh, because the Bible says, and, the, and like this stuff is in my brain. Mm-hmm. All the scripture that we had to memorize. So for good or for bad, yeah. whether this school did things the right way or the wrong way, this stuff is, is inside of It's written on your heart. Yeah, yeah, it's written on my heart. So he's like, oh, wait, so you, you've read the Bible? I'm like, yeah, dude, I've read the Bible. <laughs> and he's like, wait, 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 do you know what this, do you, um, he's like, have you ever read the book of John? And I'm like, yeah, because it's in the Bible. And he's like, do you know what it means? And I'm like, uh-huh. And he was like, okay, hold on. He comes back with a single book of John. It is only the book of John. And I've never seen this before in my entire life. It, it, I've only ever seen scripture within, you know, 66 books. Yeah. And he was like, what does this mean that, that he was the word? And the word was with God and the word was God. And I'm like, oh, like the word is Jesus. And he's like, oh. And he, so his mind is just like, his mind is blown. And I'm like, are you gonna, like, are we gonna go for a drive? Like, what are we, like, I'm not trying to have Bible study with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go do something. Right. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dip, dodge, and dive around all of this religious stuff. Like, but, so anyway, he ends up on this quest because he was he was a philosophy major when I met him and he had like a semester left to go and he would have been done well he ends up dropping out and Christianity has answers and so my parents buy him his first concordance and he gets a bible and mm. you know and you're already in a committed relationship with yeah him. <laughs> so I'm like ha 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 God's okay. like jokes on you Lydia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God does have a sense of humor. Right. And he was like, your plan B was actually, you know, this whole time I was working all these things together. So we go through these ups and downs and he, he, he's really interested in it. He decides he wants to go to seminary. Not really sure what that means. I'm not like, I'm supportive because I have to be, because that's what the legalistic answer is. Right. Mm -hmm. You just, you don't detract others. So we fall back out of it. Thank goodness. Like, oh, okay, that was a phase. And then we have a kid. And I'm like, oh, no. 
I gotta raise this kid. I gotta raise <laughs> this kid. I'm an adult and I don't know how to be an adult. Yeah. I got married, I bought a house, I had a kid. I did the things, ah. but now I have to do the things. And I don't know how to do the thing. <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought it was gonna be like this great answer. It just to, happens. Right, like you, you just, just mm -hmm, you take your baby home and a book about how to be an adult and there you go. So you're just, I'm, it, it didn't work out. I'm not the adult that I thought that I was gonna be and this little human life is completely dependent on me. And there's all of a sudden this urgency for me to get back to church because they didn't have all the answers, Yeah. but they had more answers than I did. And mm -hmm. what if they were right? And like, what if the rapture did happen and my baby gets taken and I'm not gonna be with my baby, right? Mm. So we, kind of fade in and out not really sure like where to go what to do and it isn't until i don't know 2010 ish maybe four years into us being married that we both decide like we're going to be committed christians he's going to go to seminary or at least get a four-year bible degree i can't play piano, I can't sing, I don't know how to cook at this point, I don't even really like kids at this point, how am I supposed to be a pastor's wife, I don't know how to do any of this. So they're like, well, why don't you get a counseling degree and then you could counsel women in the church because men and women in our denomination couldn't be in the same room together alone. So there couldn't be a private conversation for a woman who needed counseling from her pastor. They would have to bring a pastor's wife or you know another elder or something in and that was hard for women. So. Okay, yeah, cool, I could go do that. So now we're three kids into this. We're both in school. We're both going to college full time. We are doing adult foster care. So we've got elderly folks who are living with us whose natural caregivers have passed away. So these are folks with like um, developmental delays, yeah. uh, disabilities, those kinds of things. We had one gentleman for 10 years who was with us until just he just passed away about three years ago, which was really hard. Because he, we, um, he moved in with us when I was pregnant with my middle kiddo. Mm. So we are living this insanely busy life. Yeah. Three kids. Lots of responsibility. All the responsibility. Yeah. You want to know how to be an adult, just add on all the responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm working overtime for the church like where everything is about the church. Like I'm going to school for the church, I'm raising my kids for the church, I'm doing these ministries for the church, I'm watching other people's kids for the church, like church, church, church. Like I'm 100% invested in this because that's what I'm supposed to do. And if I just follow this formula, we're gonna be an okay family and it's gonna be okay. But then it's not okay. Yeah. And it turns out it's really hard. It's really hard to be an adult. It's really hard to be um, newlyweds, college students, caregivers for elderly folks, working jobs. That's all really hard. Yeah. Raising babies. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And bo like, boom, boom, boom. Like, these babies are just like, you know, they're just yeah. coming out. So we, we really start struggling. And we're on our own strength. We're on our own push. We're not, at least for me, I wasn't connected to the vine. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was supposed to be. I didn't know what that meant. You didn't know how to be? No. Yeah. But I just knew that if we did X, Y, and Z, then we would get to where we were going. Like we would, we would, be, we would be allowed into the kingdom if we did these things. Mm. Not that anything. So your goal was like just getting there. Just getting there. Hurry up and get there. Yeah. And if we could just be in ministry, or if we could just do this, then we would be like bona fide and it would be real, right? Yeah. Well, this comes crashing down because you can't sustain this forever. Not on your own strength, right? Right. <laughs> and he starts, uh, my husband starts working for a church and they're like, oh, great, you just graduated, but in this denomination now, you need to have a master's degree. What? So, like, what I thought was, like, the light at the end like, of the tunnel. Like, we're done. Yeah. Oh. Three more years. Man. And so we do three more years of that. And during this time, I have a complete and utter crisis. Crisis of faith, existential crisis, whatever you want to call it. Where I'm trying to do all of these things on my own strength for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Not out of the love and grace of God. 
out of panic because the rapture is happening. It's going to come. It's going to be any day now. Because and they all tell you... You just got to sustain it until then, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they all tell you there's no day, there's no hour. But it's always happening. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, it is. (laughs) But they had like this math equation that you always sort of hear, but nobody actually admits to. It's like an unwritten... Yeah. So like Israel became a nation in 1940, whatever. And then if you add 70 years, which is a generation, and a generation shall not pass, you're, you're, you know... You're wrapping around here to 2011 <laughs> is the latest that anyone could be alive. Eschatology matters. Eschatology matters. <laughs> so 2011 comes, and it's not it's not happening. So I tell myself, well, it must be 2018 must be like the last possible point. Where Seven years. Because right. Like, okay. Okay. It doesn't happen, and I have an absolute internal crisis because my entire worldview was built on this thing was going to happen yeah. I wasn't going to live this long I wasn't going to have to actually uh, you know pay my mortgage yeah <laughs> like you were truly living to get to that specific end date yeah. like you were just going on your own strength and your yeah. end goal was just to survive mm-hmm. until 2011 and then 2018 uh-huh. and then it comes and it goes yeah I lose my mind because yeah. all of a sudden I realize none of this is right. Mm. I don't know what is right, but I know that it's not this. And knowing you, now you're questioning literally everything. It's everything. 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 <laughs> and then before this, you know, you get the the church tell the American church will tell moms that you're enough. Yeah. Okay. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're, yeah. But I knew that I wasn't enough. I, in your heart of hearts, you know oh. you're not enough. Oh, yeah. So maybe if I do more. Maybe if I do more. Because maybe you know, if I look like this mom or I do these things. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not on the finished work of Christ. Yeah. It's, it's just, on our own strength and like, our own value and our own worth and our own Well, actions. you were just created enough. But you know in your heart that it's not. So then you kind of yeah. fill in the blanks with, I should do more. Yeah. Maybe that would be the thing. And I get a hold of some feminist sort of ideals. Uh. We're like, hey, do you ever feel like you're overworked and you're not really getting the benefit out Underwo- of it? Overworked and underpaid as a mom and uh, a wife? <laughs> actually, yes, I do. Tell me more. Yeah. You know, and I'm young. I'm like, I don't know, like 25, 26. I'm doing all of these things. I'm stressed to the max. And then feminism comes along and tells me that this entire thing was a design of the patriarchy yeah. to enslave me for free labor. Oh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I go off the rails. I'm ready to... You know, rage against the machine. Yes, <laughs> and these divorced moms are starting to look pretty good because they get they get every other weekend off. Mm. I haven't had a night off in you know since the last time that my mom volunteered to take all of my kids because yeah. she's the only one I would trust to watch my kids. And she did a good job of like you know helping us and giving us breaks and stuff. But it's still a lot. Yeah, because your nights off, you're working on your schoolwork. You're finishing up that ministry project. You're doing that house, whatever, chore that didn't get done. Right. It's not actually a night off. Exactly. And so I'm ready to just throw in everything. I'm done. I went out. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be married. What did I do having all these kids that I can't take care of? Uh, Do you actually have to get to 18 and then beyond because the end of the world didn't come? Yeah. And so this was all like, you know, 15, 16, 2015, 2016. And then 18 comes along. And I was just kind of holding out. Like I was suppressing all, I was trying my best to suppress all of these feelings of, I need to do more, I need to do more. Which, and all, it sounds so dumb that all of this is all around the, the end of the world. But this is all all we heard growing up or all that I heard um, from, you know, 80% of the adults in my life. And you might have one or two sane adults who are trying to tell you, it's okay, kid, it's going to be all right. But when you've got 80 other, you know, 80% of other adults out there telling you, this is what you believe. Yeah. Uh, Or maybe I'm just naive and I'm the only ding dong out there who was dumb enough to fall for it but I mean there was an entire cast of people who made this movie uh, like yeah. <laughs> you're not the only one I mean I'm pretty sure I shared some of my my yeah you know. so I'm excited because as a side note 
for this conference that's coming up, the Eschatology Conference. Yeah, that's Eschatology be in Matters. Eschatology Matters. And it's in September? Yes. Okay. I'm excited to go to this because I haven't fully worked out as a Reformed person what do I believe about end times. Right now, I'm kind of coasting on we get there when we get there. Yeah. Because I don't have the emotional room for it. Yeah. It was a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, to have so much trauma... And uh, the way that literally, this is what's, so for those of you who don't know, my husband, Brandon, is putting on a conference in September Mm -hmm. here um, where we are, and it's called Eschatology Matters, and it's a, it's called, he called it Reformed in Christ um, Conference, and it is talking about the Reformed views, um, and the four of the different views, because like, it, it, it matters Mm -hmm. how we spend our days, what we're looking forward to, how we raise our children, how we love our neighbor, how we love ourselves, how we love our husbands and our, and wives, you know, for husbands and eschatology matters. Yes. So I'm excited for it too, because I don't know where I stand. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like a side note, something that it's just a cool little, whatever that I'm going to do, like having jars out for each view and then an undecided with different colored coins. The beginning of the conference, you put in your view or undecided. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, it's a different colored coin Uh and we can see how much it changed or if there were more undecided jar. (laughs) Oh, me too. Me too. And I'll probably still be in the undecided jar at the end. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot to work through. And, and if anybody out there listening doesn't know what eschatology is, it just means the study of last things. Yep. So. End times. What, what do we believe about the end times? Right. And so if you, if you don't know either, please uh, check that conference out. We will try to put a link up with the episodes. In the show notes, our, can we do that? On our yeah. Facebook page. We'll try to put a link up so you guys can find it. Because we have, to, we have to sort these things out. Right now, like I said, I'm coasting on get there when we get there yeah so during so this 15 2015 2016 sort of meltdown that i'm having i know that this theology is wrong mm-hmm. i know that this eschatology is not correct it's out of line but i don't know what else to replace it with you know and i've only got two years left to find out <laughs> so you're still like <laughs> hanging on to that eschatology right i'm trying yeah. to do everything within my human power to hold on to this thing that god is so mercifully taking away from me yeah and that you invested many years of your life believing exactly yeah. and so i had a, a somebody at the time who was reformed trying to tell me about grace Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, sir, listen, I I am one inconvenience away from running away from my family. So, <laughs> like, just give me a slight one. Just give me a little reason. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this grace business, I need, I need my legalism. It is the only thing that is keeping me in line right now. Mm. Because if I go on this grace thing, I'm going to go off the rails. Mm. If I can just do whatever it is that I want to do, and I'm still going to be saved, and God is still going to take care of me, why would I not be down there on like Margarita Monday, chilling out, not hanging out with you know my homework or my husband or my? And he's like, well, it's not really like that, and you would feel like differently about it. And I'm like, clearly you don't know the depths of my depravity. Like, <laughs> so you had the depravity part down. I knew that I was a wretch, like. I was online with that. So 2018 comes and goes and I can finally let go of this thing for whatever reason. This was, I finally get to let go of it. And it probably felt like a great burden being lifted, right? It really did. And I was walking around calling myself an apostate. And I did, every time I did, I heard this little voice in my head that was like, "Mm -mm, that's not. mm -mm." Because you were letting go of this view. Yeah. You were an apostate. Because what else is there? Yeah. What else, what else is out there? But at the same time, I start realizing, and I love Facebook memories for this. Um, Mm -hmm. I just had one in 2015 pop up where I was having a conniption fit because Ligonier Ministries kept um, cutting out on this laptop where I was trying to listen to Renewing Your Mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I had no idea. But you were exposed. I was. And so these things are are starting to, to take to take root and so i'm like oh wait i do and so the same like way you can see the right the circle coming around the yeah. same way that my husband would say well what does this mean and it would just kind of come out i was like i was reading about this reformed theology like oh yeah because total depravity oh yeah because oh yeah i heard about this perseverance of the saints thing from the rc guy or yeah. alistair bay and it's just coming out 
And it was, and those were the things that were, those were the things that were helping me because I would listen to sermons nonstop, trying to keep myself in line so that I didn't go off the rails because this was too much pressure on my own. Um, (laughs) And not realizing that the things that were bringing me the comfort were these, the few things that were bringing me the comfort were this reformed theology. Mm -hmm. And so I get on the other side of this and I start to somehow get into these reformed theology groups on Facebook, which for better or for worse, (laughs) there we are. Um, (laughs) There we are. Yep. And there's a reformed theology for everything. There is. There is. Reformed. Yeah. Which is why. (laughs) (laughs) There is. Uh, You crochet? No, I knit. Okay. Well, here's your group. Yeah. Um, And so here we are now in this reformed theology but we're the only ones. You're online only. Yeah. There's yeah. nobody else. Yeah. There's nobody else in real life. Yep. And these things are changing my worldview from the bottom up mm-hmm. because I've gone from trying to earn a place in the kingdom. Yeah. Works. Yeah. And then maybe I'd be good enough mm-hmm. for whatever. I don't know. To. I'm in the finished work of Christ mm-hmm. and my place is secure mm-hmm. and now there's work to do mm-hmm. and it's work that I want to do. Yeah. I want to raise these children. I want to be a good wife. I like it fills me up. Whereas before it was just draining me. Now these are the things that give me hope. They give me life. They give me energy. And I couldn't have said that about this past system that I was under yeah. because now I'm functioning from a place of grace and I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person, but there's a lot less sin now that I'm in this grace bucket than I was yeah. under legalism, trying to suppress it all of the time. Yeah. So that was a very long story, I'm sure. And there's, That's all right. there's lots of missed pieces, but hopefully there's some kind of coherency. In yeah. Oh, you. absolutely. It was, it was great. And just knowing um, a lot more about where you came from and getting this timeline uh, and just, you know, where you're at now. And I know that there is still a lot more and yeah. knowing that you found an actual reformed community, obviously that's how we know each other right. an in-person community. Um, so I have some questions. I'm ready for it. And if any of them you don't want to answer, you just say pass. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Pass. So um, <laughs> what was the biggest shock? I mean, I think we probably really talked about this but maybe not. Uh, what was the biggest shock to your faith as God was leading you into Reformed theology? And I'm going to assume maybe it was your eschatology, but maybe it was something else. Yeah, I think eschatology was way up there. But I think what really was the, the sh- most shocking for me was that I did not actually need legalism to keep my heart in line. Mm. that legalism wasn't actually helpful. Yeah. That living my life from a place of gratefulness mm-hmm. rather than should, like, oh, I should do this or yeah. I should do that, really helps me to be more aligned with Christ. And I think that it's crazy because um, when you're in legalism, legalism feels free, mm-hmm. right? It feels so freeing because there's these boundaries. And then when when we have pulled out of legalism mm-hmm. and we're where we're at now, right? Yeah. Reformed theology um, and revering God's word and taking him mm-hmm. seriously and obeying scripture. That legalism, the people that are in that legalism that we came from, it looks very binding. Like it you does. like I've had comments made like on the opposite side of it. Like, no, there's so much freedom in Christ and the law is freedom. And this is why. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to see like coming out of it and seeing how binding and how burdensome legalism is because we're doing it on our own. Right. And it's not, um, a lot of it isn't, isn't doctrine, biblical doctrine. Mm -hmm. It's man-made doctrine Mm -hmm. and expectations and rules. And And I want to say too, I don't know that these churches and these groups that I was a part of were necessarily going around saying legalism is the key to happiness. They didn't even know that they were in legalism, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) It was the way that my heart 
was taking these things in mm-hmm. and twisting them. Yeah. Because I'm battling American Christianity telling me that I'm enough. Yeah. You know, the church saying, hey, do these things live the right way. And me knowing I have not a chance at this. Yeah. At making these two things line up. Mm-hmm. I just should work harder. That would be the thing that would make me enough. Yeah. And so this was, I don't even know that I can even say this was this church's fault or that church's fault. This is really the way that I was taking this. And... Just your perception of all these things. Exactly, yeah. my, my perception of it. So that was really, that was shocking to me that I could actually live in grace and not go off the rails and not be living in a van down by the river. Yeah. <laughs> so with that then, um, how has your understanding of God's character changed from uh, your contorted, mm-hmm. is that a word, contorted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. belief system, internally, externally, whatever that was, um, so before and then now, like how has your understanding of God's character changed? He, he is, he is sovereign and I don't have enough control or enough power to throw off his sovereign will or mm-hmm. his sovereign plan. And I think before I was sort of operating, like pushing his buttons, like if I have enough do good tokens he's going to give me rest or he's going mm. to improve my marriage. So if I do enough, if I teach enough Sunday school or I, you know, feed enough people who don't have food or if I make up enough, um, you know, homeless packets, then yeah. God is going to bless me for that. And to see that he's not this vending machine. It's, it's kind of like that manifesting, like you're thinking that, or work, I mean, works-based faith, yeah. like I'm earning these things. Right. And then when you weren't getting those things. It was because I was doing them wrong. So in my mind, do them harder. So it wasn't, you You never really blamed God for that. It was all on Lydia. Oh yeah. yeah. It was all my fault. I just must not have done it with the right heart. Mm. I must not have done it with the right intention or, you know, I need to just do this harder. Yeah. Which is crazy because I think a lot of people, um, when they, when things aren't working out how they want them to work out, their, their default is to blame God. It's God's fault because I'm doing my part. Yeah. So yours was backwards. No, it was all on me. Yeah. yeah, it was. This was all my. This was all my fault. And um, so yeah, that was a big one. When you realize that God controls all things, and we're not powerful enough to sway Him, to yeah. to contort His will to ours, or yeah, it gives you, for me at least, it gave, it gave me a sense that I could try, and if I failed, there were bumpers. Mm. So. You know, like you throw the bowling ball, yeah. you hope for a strike, you might not get a strike, but at least you're not in the gutter. It's going to bounce back you got, and forth. you got the bumpers. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. God is going to, he's going to And that's be not, and, and so many people that don't under, understand Reformed theology think that we use that as a grace to sin. No. And that's not truth. Yeah. Like we don't see that as um, grace to be able to sin. Like we don't see that as an excuse for sin. Well, God's got it anyway. But we do see, I, for me at least, like I see more of understanding my depravity and where I fail and I take my sin way more seriously, but I do understand that there's still so much grace there and his yeah. mercies are new every morning, right. but I take more seriously in the ways that I have failed him and my family and mm-hmm. you know my own depravity. Yeah, it's true. And it's not, it's this thing where I finally understand where Paul says, may it never be. You know, should we send more of the grace? May it never be. Like, that's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for that I don't sin. May yeah. it never be. Yeah. But I know that when I do, the whole day isn't ruined. It's like when you're on a diet, but then, well, you ate a cookie, so forget it. Go ahead and eat three burritos and those pickle wraps that were in the refrigerator. And go ahead and have a milkshake. It's already ruined now, right? Like, you're not going off oh, the rails you don't do completely. that? <laughs> Here I am hanging my head in shame. Oh, no. Next question. <laughs> Um, how have or did your relationship relationships with people um, change? I think I think I have a lot more space for people to be human. Where before everybody's faults were a job for me to take care of. Mm. So, um, oh well, you know this girl over here is gossiping. Well, I have to go take care of that. Like I have to go help her to be a better person mm. because that's what I should do. It's not my business. Yeah. Like, 
if she comes to me and she's like, hey, I'm struggling with this, then okay, I'll help her carry her burden. Or if it's really an issue, then maybe we follow the protocol in the Bible. But it's not this thing where she doesn't have her own pastor. She doesn't have her own elders or her own friends to go talk to about this. You don't have to fix everyone. Exactly. And so I have space now to just love people honestly where they are. And I have room for that where before it was like, why are you walking around being a project that I have to fix now? Didn't you read the rule book? (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to tell you the rules? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So how did your view of scripture change it's it all of a sudden it was cohesive so like i talked about the first time i had that old testament survey and i realized that all the pieces were connected yeah it helped me to see that genesis all the way through as difficult as revelation was for me (laughs) was all connected yeah that these things are are meant to be within context, they are, there's an over there's an overarching point here. Yeah. This is not individual verses that I use to get enough energy to be able to do enough tasks to get enough tokens that maybe God will cut me a break and let my toddler go to sleep because I'm burned out and done. Yeah. Does that make sense? Chapter verse context, right? Yeah. It all matters. Yeah. And it became beautiful to me. Like it's a it's no longer this thing of, oh, here's another thing I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's God's grace again. Yeah. Oh, look at God. Look do at you God remember? Do you remember yeah. when he, you know, he sent Joseph ahead and he sent, you know, I mean, yeah. this promise he made to Abraham and this mm-hmm. covenant theology and yeah. And I stopped reading myself into it, mm. which was huge. That's a hard thing because, you know, um, there are things for us to glean from the word, but it's not like, it's not all about us. It's we're not really we're not, not the star of the show, right? Like we're not the That's star. We hear a lot, and it's still like even uh, I find myself still sometimes being like, okay, like I have to question: Is this for me? What was the, who was this written for? What was the you uh-huh. know what was the audience? Who was the original intended audience? And all of these and things. Do you remember when in the Bible when Hagar is just really distressed because her son is laying there dying? Yeah, and she can't see the well. Yeah, and Jesus is like. Hey, God sees where your boy's crying at. Like, get up, go to the well. Like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I would have read myself into that. Like, how dare I have a pity party? I need to get up and go do these things. Mm. Like, God is watching me. But now when I read that, God sees this. This isn't isn't outside of God's ability to help. And I think that that's like a really good point because my next question was going to be, uh, we struggle so much uh, as reformed people with emotion, Mm -hmm. um, coming out of this whole, like for me personally, and a lot of us like, yeah, post charismatic distress, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and what is, what is spirit led? What is, you know, human led as far as emotions and how we feel things and, it can be really hard, and maybe this is a whole other episode, so maybe yeah. I'm just putting a caveat here, but it can be really hard. Um, sometimes the more that I get to understand and know Reformed theology and the way that people think, um, sometimes it can it can feel like there just isn't, it's not as personal, our relationship with God. Yeah. Because we're pulling ourselves out of, putting ourselves into scripture and all of these things. And how do we find that balance and knowing that God is, uh, you know, we have a, a personal and unique relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves us personally, you know, and, but without inserting ourselves into scripture, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just need to get up and go do the thing. Cause Hagar was just told to just get up and go do the thing. Cause God had already provided and changing that from, you know what? Like, doesn't matter. God's got this. God always provides Mm-hmm. Um, and not putting that back and inserting ourselves into that. I think with it, when it comes to the emotional part, because I know that's what you're asking, right? Like, how do we allow ourselves to feel emotion within? Yeah, and it not be a self-centered. Yeah. Emo- and maybe this is something we need to chew on, and this is just, you know. Yeah, I think the, I do need to think about that. But I will say, in my past 
efforts. I was not going to allow myself to feel anything because it would have been too much. Mm-hmm. It was too painful. I had too, too many things that I was feeling, too many things going on. Now, as a reformed woman, through looking through this reformed ideology and theology and all these things, I feel like I have the room to feel my feelings mm. and take them to God and have him help me to sort out what is human experience, what is uh, coming from a place of sin and needs to be mortified. Yeah. I feel like I have the space to do that, where before, if I would have felt my feelings, I was terrified I would have just run off. Mm. I don't know if that's the answer you were quite looking for, but that's what comes to my mind. All right. Mine, I have a whole lot of trauma. This is not my interview. <laughs> so we'll circle back to that at, at another time. Um, I'm just going to wrap this up really quickly. Uh, I want to just know like, how your view of motherhood, biblical womanhood, and your role as a wife have changed um, since you have uh, found Reformed Theology. Um, So for me, my husband and my children are not a token to adulthood. Yeah. Which that's, you know, not so much about Reformed theology as it is. That's where the starting point where I personally was. Yeah. Uh, But the world is not going to steal my gift of motherhood and my gift of wifehood. Yeah. Where before, you know, I think if a circus would have come to town... There were some days when I would have been ready to sell it all off. Like, because it was being presented as a burden mm-hmm. that I just couldn't be, I couldn't be woman enough to carry. Mm-hmm. And that's not what my theology teaches me now. My theology teaches me that children are a blessing. Mm-hmm. That my husband is a blessing. I feel content in this, that I, I, I get to be a mom. Like, I'm an educated woman. I have a master's degree. I, you know, I've got... I've got credentials. You want to talk about resumes, like, let's do the thing. Bring it on, Paul. <laughs> I've listened to too much Shia Lin, right? Um, like, I've got, I've got that, and none of it compares to being a mom. And I mean that wholeheartedly. And now, you know, I've got my own kind of homemade kiddos. We've got kiddos that we're taking care of for a season. Yeah. And there's nothing that I love more than being a wife and a mother within the kingdom. Like, this is... I'm doing the thing that I was created personally yeah. to do. I know there are some out there who are gifted with the gift of singleness, and y'all do you. Yeah. It's not me. Uh, this is what I like to do. But I want to hear whiny kids, and I want to, you know, bake bread and kiss yeah. boo-boos, and that's that's the thing that I feel content with. And there's not a there's not a deception. There's not a lie. There's not a temptation that I'm willing to trade hmm. for this. I love that when we step into our God appointed roles. Yeah. Just that there's fulfillment there. I know what it is now. Yeah. It's a gift. It's not a shackle. It's not a burden. It's, it's how you carry the thing, right? Yeah. Like I've learned how to carry it and we need to do an episode on that. How do we carry those things? Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. And, um, I know there's so much more that we can go into and I'm sure that we'll do little, Many things here and there as we divulge more, divulge, yeah, yeah, Why more not? about ourselves. Uh huh. Um, but thank you, thank you for your raw vulnerability and just being willing to share those things. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs>